The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. As Mr. Alistair escapes with Jonah on his back, trying desperately to get him to safety, Jonah slips into a deadly darkness as Ekmalak's blood draws the boy into the abyss, into the waste. What will he see there? For nothing is certain, not life, not the gifts we are blessed with. We can only try, sometimes in vain, to uncover exactly what it is we should do. And if Ekmalak has his way, all of us will fail and fall to him and wither on the vine. Of course, I should remind you that this podcast does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and of course, naughty salty language. (laughs) It may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. Now, join me on this Tentacle Tuesday as we wander into the darkness, into a world where Jonah's failures are perhaps making a new reality. In Chapter 11, Caught in the Rain. The rain continued to pour as Mr. Alistair carried Jonah's body over his shoulder like a sack. The boy was critical and Alistair wasn't sure how much time he had left. He could hear him muttering and whispering to people and things that weren't there. Curse that little witch, he thought to himself. Don't judge her too harshly, he heard a whisper answer. Alistair snorted at the notion as he slid down an embankment and into a ravine. As much as the main roads would have been easier and faster, he couldn't risk the cult, or even worse, the order, tracking him. Jonah moaned again. Chess, where are you? I... Either the blood of Ekmalak was creating an illusion, one in which the order would offer him a peaceful life with Jess if he gave up his power, or worse, he was on the other side in the waste itself, where Ekmalak and his minions could lure him to. Don't listen to them, kid. It's a lie. It's always a lie. They have nothing of real value to offer. The boy's body tensed as if somehow Alistair's words had pierced a dark fog and staring him. Good. If he could still be reached, he could still be saved. He heard the whisper again. This time it asked for the impossible. You need to stop. If I stop, the boy will die. I must, he argued back. At that, the rain became a waterfall, and the river began to crest, causing Alistair to become gravely concerned. It was almost as if the very weather was against him. He felt himself growling, his feet grinding into the ravine's floor with each step. A clap of thunder echoed down the walls of the ravine, a booming closing statement to the argument. Fine. I'll stop, he yelled back. But where? He said nearly under his breath. He didn't even finish that statement when he caught a warm yellow glow emanating from a cavern about 50 feet away and 10 feet off the ravine's floor. Ask a stupid question, he muttered to himself as he pressed forward up the rocky surface and to the entrance of the cave. The flicker of red and yellow illuminated the walls, allowing Alistair to see inside. He swung Jonah into more of a cradle-like position and proceeded to lay him on a straw mat set beside a preset fire. 
Several fish hung over the fire, as well as a small kettle with a ladle. While he couldn't place the smell, he knew that Jonah needed food. I hope I'm not stealing someone's dinner, he thought to himself as he spied a couple clay bowls. He scooped some of the broth into one and set it aside to cool as he propped Jonah up and proceeded to do something he hadn't done since. Since he couldn't remember when. Father, Altone, I know I don't deserve your grace, and I know we haven't spoken in a eternity, but this boy, please. A voice came from deep within the cavern, and Alistair swung around, taking a defensive stance. What? It said. A fire, fish, and soup aren't enough? The figure that approached was not clear almost like a bean made completely of light. Alistair went to one knee and bowed his head. Please, get up. I'm not Eldone, and we're old friends. It said as it passed him and knelt next to Jonah. He's so young. And foolish, Alistair said. Yes, but sometimes these things result in his greatest triumphs. If you say so... Alistair replied. Oh, I know so, but... The bean smiled at him. Al, we'll need you to trust us on this. Now, lay him down and undo his shirt so I can see the wound. The bean asked. The wound on Jonah's chest was nasty. It was as if someone had bored through his body, snapping a few bones and tearing muscle as it did so. Black mucus continued to ooze out of the hole, making it difficult to ascertain just how bad the wound was. Please, collect a little water for me. I want to clean the wound. Alistair took the unused bowl and headed out towards the river. Meanwhile, the beam of light ran her hand through his hair and whispered into his ears. Hear me, O you who wander in the darkness. Your body is here. Your life is here. Come forth out of the fog of deceit and rejoin us. Jonah wandered in the darkness, the world around him an endless sea of ash. In the distance, he could make out the remnants of structures barely poking out of the mounds of dust. What was this place? A foul, hot wind swirled, making waves out of the mounds about him. On the horizon, a low orange sun caressed the bleakness, giving light to the barren trees and shells of buildings that sat next to a bay of sludge and ash licking the shore of Rift. This was once Rift. But how? When? And what had happened? He remembered the house. The house he and Maggie had gone to. It still loomed behind him, rising up from this empty place like a lone tooth in an empty mouth. He remembered the storm and the statue of the tentacle with five eyes. And Maggie, Maggie was, where was she? Pain shot through him and he grabbed his right shoulder as if trying to remember, remember something important. Rising from the dead city, he could hear a buzzing, clicking noise, seemingly coming from the shells of the buildings and got the sense that something far away was watching him intently. He wondered what to do. Should he go forward or go back to the house? A voice called out to him on the wind. Jonah, please. Jess? He wasn't sure where the voice came from, 
as a bell tolled echoing across the desolation. He looked towards the slow-moving Black River that emptied into the harbor. He could see a raft tied to the shore and decided to make his way towards it. Maybe he could find answers on the other side of this. Waste. The city, or fragments of the city, were more like shadows cast by unseen images, as if none of this was really here. He could swear brief images of people and children ran by and then vanished amongst the dust. He also noticed that the clicking and buzzing noises he was hearing were growing louder, and that his left hand had begun to ache, the blue glow spilling from under the bandages. He swallowed hard. Whatever lived in this place was not human, and definitely not something that would welcome him or his presence. Jonah, I'm so cold, so long. Please, the voice pleaded with him again. He plodded his way into the strange shadows, and things began to move and crawl their way out of the shelves of the buildings. He could see them now, man-sized creatures, almost like human flies. They eyed him suspiciously, their mandibles opening and closing, making that clicking noise he had heard earlier as drool poured out of their mouths. A pulse of energy raced down his arm, and he looked at the bandages. He had seldom used this strange power but it might be a good idea to at least have it ready, just in case. He unraveled the bandages, revealing the midnight black forearm, a bright silver cross blazing in the center of his left palm. It crackled and popped like an electric current set free. The creatures shied away, wary of the strange light it gave off. Well, he muttered to himself, that's at least something. He arrived at the raft, the fact that it was here was evidence that something or someone else lived here too. But who and how would you survive in this world? It was dead. No food, no water, just a dead husk of a world. That's when it hit him. Dead. Oh no. He looked around and began to call out, Mom! Dad! Jess! Anyone! Is anyone here? The bell tolled again, making him jump, and everything around him blurred until he found himself back at the house. It was the only thing in this world that still had color. Still had. Jonah, please. Maybe the house was a portal, a way back to the world of the living. His hand ached more fiercely, and the cross glowed so brightly it began to illuminate his surroundings. Shadows slunk and slid away, and he could see them now and he could sense things again. An ominous presence loomed here from inside the house. It was clear, whatever it was, whatever was watching him, it was here. Taking a deep breath, he stepped through the broken doorframe and back into the living room. Alistair brought the being of light, a bowl of water, and it blessed it. The water took on a strange glow and it proceeded to pour it over the nasty wound on Jonah's chest. Black pus and ooze poured out, as well as a fragment of what could be interpreted as a human fingernail, rose up with the liquid and sat now on his bare skin. Will he live? Mr. Alistair prodded. I have done what I can on this side. I have presented him with a pathway out of the darkness. The question will become, will he take it? 
Is there anything now that I can do for him? He asked. No, Mr. Alistair. Wait and pray are the only things we can do on this side. Alistair begrudgingly walked back to the entrance and watched her rain. He looked into the sky and wondered what type of prayer he could say. What if anything he could ask? The being of light put its hand on his shoulder. Be honest. Be honest with your feelings and don't worry how you say it. It's what's in our heart that makes the difference. You said, we're old friends, the demon inquired. But you're not Arista, and I don't quite recognize you. It smiled at him. You'll understand soon. Remember, time, like our prayers, is not linear. You can only see what I've become, not who I am. The room Jonas stepped into was different from before. Clean, bright, beautiful. A wood trim ran around the walls, and a large blue slate mantle place surrounded a glowing fire. He looked out the window and could see a light snow falling on the bright-colored leaves of the trees that surrounded the home. A man sat in a large chair, staring at it. Beautiful, isn't it? Yes, he replied very uncertain of who or what was giving off this sense of danger. You know, I used to sit here all the time and watch it. He lit something. A pipe? A cigar? He wasn't sure. He took a sip of bourbon and then spun the chair around in the direction of Jonah. Mr. Collins? I would say bingo, but I was beginning to think that I'd need to put a neon sign over my head saying, I'm Mr. Collins, dummy. Or at least, <laughs> I was. <laughs> he was now even more wary. Mr. Collins was an evil man, but he sensed nothing human about him. And then contemplating the world he had seen, the dead world around him, he felt forced to ask, Am I dead? Not dead, <laughs> not quite. But I've done a pretty good job of getting you to this point. Jonas swallowed hard. As the man stood up, he could see him more clearly. He was some sort of shade, not a true man of flesh and blood. No, that wasn't true either. Something, something else occupied the same place as he did. And you know, you've been a great help in me accomplishing that. <laughs> Mr. Collins continued. And then to Jonah's shock, Mr. Collins' face and structure changed as he cried out, Jonah, please, help. Taking on the look of Jess's face before returning to the disgusting, twisted, misshapen thing that Maggie had seen in the mirrored house. It took a swig of bourbon and smiled at him. I've loved dragging you around by the dick of yours. Oh, so in love, so ready to help your poor, beloved girlfriend. She was quite tasty, you know. <laughs> Jonah's arm began to pulse. Oh, look at that, it said. The infamous obsidian cross I have heard so much about. You know, you're a legend. Eating a full-fledged demon at the age of six. We didn't even know your kind existed until, well... <laughs> And now, you sit here on the edge, the edge of the future that you've made quite possible. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> I must say, Jess, 
I must go to Rift. Oh, you've been a prince of folly. I've loved it, he continued to mock Jonah. Stop. Or what, Jonah? I'm in command here. This is my world, my domain. He gave it to me for compensation. Compensation for killing you. As he said that, shadowy tentacles began to flail behind him, his body changing into a hulking mass, bending and twisting to block him from... Block him from what? A tentacle shot towards him, but unlike in our world, he was fully aware and was able to leap out of the way. The thing sighed. I guess the poison my useless daughter gave you has fully worn off, huh? <laughs> Damn witch. I'll eat her next. Witch? Who? Jess? He said, confused. What was he talking about? He thought to himself, trying hard to concentrate on the flailing tentacles. They were nasty, slimy things, little teeth rings at the end of each one, designed for biting, tearing, and devouring. You really are a stupid moron, aren't you? <laughs> Another tentacle shot at him, smashing some furniture. Again, Jonah was able to dodge it, but this time his left hand brushed up against its slimy exterior. A hiss could be heard from the sound of flesh being seared, and Mr. Collins cried out. Damn it, boy. That hurt. Jonah began to press it, trying to buy time. He knew now it was trying to keep him here, to keep him from the fireplace. Then what, witch? He demanded. Who are you talking about? As the words escaped his lips, he remembered the tea and the slighted warning Maggie had given him back at the cafe. Maggie, he muttered quietly. Oh boy! Ding, 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 ding! He finally figured it out! It said to him. They were nearly face to face now. Do you know? That useless girl has been used by my lady so many times. <laughs> used to bring forth many to his liking, serving them things, things they wouldn't have dared to ask in the light of day, serving his will. <laughs> Jonah pushed him away and raised his left hand at the beastly man, but held back his attack. He could see Jess's face, in full splendor, smiling at him, holding out her arms. Jess, he began to say, dropping his guard. <laughs> you really are a moron, aren't you? <laughs> a tentacle slammed into him, sending him back out the door, into the ash. He could hear clicking and buzzing approaching from behind him. Good, good, good. The Zygots smell your blood. That you don't belong in this realm. They know, they know you're near your end. They're coming to eat you. <laughs> the fireplace behind the sickly thing roared to life and the man covered his face from the explosion of flames, making him cower in the corner. No, no, I will not relinquish my prey to you. He barked at it, although it was clear he was terrified. Come, Jonah, out of the darkness. You belong here. Your body is here. Your life and future are here. The voice spoke through the darkness. Stop! I am not willing to succeed my authority to another one of Aldoni's fox angels! He's mine! He went to say a name, but it caught in his throat. A figure now stood in the fire, holding out its hand towards him, glowing with the same intensity of the cross in his hand. Come, please, it said. 
Jonah stood back up. His body ached. He was filthy from head to toe, but he could feel the warmth and love pouring out of the fireplace. No, 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 I will not succeed my authority to you. No! The lowly creature screeched from the corner of the room, but as he rose, tentacles flailing in every direction, another creature of light appeared, holding him back. He couldn't quite make out who it was or what it was. All he heard was, Go! Jonah ran, ran as fast as he could into the fire as the ashen world fell behind him. He found himself in a strange place. There was nothing, nothing but a giant warm glow as if he was floating in the very fire he had jumped into. He heard someone whisper his name, and he turned around half expecting to see the monstrous Mr. Collins once more. Hello, Jonah. It was Jess. She was dressed all in white, a crown of glowing flowers encircling her head. Jess, are you real? Long time no see, huh? What, what's going on? I was given permission to come see you one last time. Last time, then... Yes, Jonah, I'm dead. Yet, I'm not. I exist outside of everything now, Jonah. I am with the people who love me and the people who have always been with me. And yes, that includes you. Then, um... No, silly. That time is a long way off, and you have quite a journey ahead of you. And there is someone in desperate need of you and your help. He was going to ask who, and then the image flooded his head. She will need you, and you will need her. But I know, and I loved you too. But not everything is how we expect or want it to be. My human existence ended. You need to remember that and never let him or it or anything use me as a way to hurt you again. Jonah, there is no guilt, no pain. Please, let it go. Now, go home and when you see her, say thank you for me. Her? Do you mean the girl in the garden? Finally remembering. He wondered if maybe that had to do with where he was. She laughed again. No, no, not her. It's not her time yet. Oh, that's right. You haven't met her yet. <laughs> that's okay. Just remember. Okay? For me. Thank you. She faded. The room of light faded. And Jonah woke up, choking on some very hot soup. Oh, how sweet. How lovely. Jess came all the way from heaven just for one last goodbye. Blech! If there's something I hate, it's icky, sickly, lovey-dovey stuff. Blech! But we're still left with some unanswered questions, as Jess makes it very clear that the being of light that saved Jonah was not Arista the girl in the garden. And the term fox angel has only been used to describe one other, Mr. Stevens. So, is there another unknown being? Another fox angel? 
I guess we'll find out in due time. Meanwhile, the story steers back to Maggie. Oh, poor, poor, poor Maggie. And the tea shop and the lingering shadows that long for her. In chapter 12, Cornered.